0: Welcome to Understand Nostradamus. I'm your host, Michael Farko. This discussion is about King Charles III and Quatrain Century 10, Quatrain 22 from the book La Prophetise of Michel Nostradamus. Also in this discussion will be Quatrain 977 and Quatrain 814. Now, I believe Quatrain 977 is actually about King Charles and Many people point to Quatrain 814 being about King Charles, but I don't think it's about King Charles. I think it's about Bill Clinton in the year 2000. Since the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth, King Charles has been brought up as the subject of Quatrain 1022. And I do declare, I believe it is about Edward VIII abdicating the throne of England, in 1936. I always had to pull back from it a little bit because I didn't feel that King George really fit the description of one who didn't bear the mark of a king. Because while it's true he had a stutter, and while it's true he didn't want to be king, his older brother didn't want to be king, his father didn't want to be king. That's how it goes when heavy is the head that wears the crown. But now I realize that it could be about Queen Elizabeth. Let's take a look at the quatrain. Here's the internet version. For not wishing to consent to the divorce, which then afterwards will be recognized as unworthy, the king of the isles will be driven out by force. In his place put one who will have no mark of a king. Now notice about on line four, it says one. It doesn't say he. If you break the words down in more of their exact translation, not wanting to consent to the divorce. Well, who didn't want to consent to that? Who then afterwards will be, think about that, who then afterwards. It's redundant for the point to show that it's many years after. So who is the who? The king of the isles is quite obvious, driven out by force. I don't think that's a prediction for the future. That's Edward VIII, driven out by Essentially, the prime minister and the government, but really behind the scenes was the Archbishop of Canterbury, Cosmo Gordon Lang. The fourth line put in his place one who of king will not have the sign or the mark. So I don't think this quatrain is necessarily about Charles himself. The quatrain, I do think, draws attention to Charles would be Quatrain from Century 9, Quatrain 77. Here's the internet version. The realm taken, the king will conspire. The lady taken to death, ones sworn by lot. They refuse life to the queen and son, and the mistress at the fort of the wife. Let's take a look at those words. What do they really say? The reign taken, the king... Convert. What does that mean? It means we'll invite, we'll come together, we'll convene, we'll bring them together. The second line literally says, The lady princess is dead, sworn to fate. However, in the very original printing of this book, that's an L, an I, a V, an R, an E, and a Z eventually and i do believe it was 1605 the 1605 editions are really when they got cleaned up straightened out words got added words got taken away to make them all seem to like make more sense so this word got changed to the one you see swear i-u-r-e-z which is actually j-u-r-e-z now but the l-i-v-r-e-z means to deliver so that would be the princess lady in death as fate would have it the third line says the life of the queen's son they will refuse or deny who's the queen's son well that's the prince will be prince andrew the life of a prince will be denied he is not allowed any of the royalty anymore it actually says the life of a prince they deny him and the mistress retains the position as consort. That word says consort. The English word for consort comes from the French word consort. I do believe it is on purpose. And the quatrain reads, the rain taken, the king will bring them together. And he did a very good job of that. I believe he really brought the people well into the fold. The lady princess in death delivered to fate. The life of a prince will be denied to Andrew, and the king's lover in the secured position of queen consort. But the quatrain that is very often pointed to about Charles is 814. Take a look at 814. Here's the internet version. The great credit of gold and abundance of silver will cause honor to be blinded by lust. The offense of the adulterer will become known, which will occur to his great dishonor. Let's take a look at the words. The great credit, the abundance of gold and silver. When Nostradamus, whenever he uses gold and silver together like that, he's saying money because that was their money. Their money was you carried around gold and silver in your hand. So what would be the great credit? Well, great can also mean huge, large, generous. How about the generous credit? Your an income tax credit expansion for working family tax cut that Bill Clinton got passed in 1993. By 1999, it had lifted over 4.1 million people straight out of poverty. It had helped 15 million, but those 4.1, those were mostly children. And when Bill Clinton got up in the 2000 State of the Union Address, which I will point out because it basically quotes the Quatrain. He talks about the abundance and how well America is doing, but that this tax credit still needs to be expanded. He pointed out that in this great time of abundance, these are hardworking American families and their children shouldn't have to live in poverty, especially with the abundance of gold and silver, the abundance of money the massive surplus that we had see when he started in 1993 to start to balance the budget by 1999 he had reduced the largest deficit up till that time which was 290 billion in 1992 there had been several years of surplus when it turned to the new millennium And Bill Clinton had kicked in and solved the whole Y2K problem. And they were saying, this is the greatest time of America. We are the wealthiest we've ever been. And we are the wealthiest country in the world. At that time, surging tax revenues from a booming economy had generated a surplus of $124 billion for the fiscal year and projections were made that would amount to $1.5 for the next decade, as well as low inflation, historically low interest rates, and unemployment rates, the American economy was considered at its most robust, the abundance of money. The stock market crashed about three weeks later for the first time and continued in a downfall for a good hmm, six months. But that's another story and a few more quatrains to continue with this one 814 so line 2 mentions a moment of blind lust at one in the morning leads to great dishonor of him breaking the deal fails to observe or respect his vow causing to dishonor her damage to her reputation line 3 he is now seen as an adulterer that's not going anywhere else line 4 which brings him intense personal suffering and regret from a state of shame or disgrace that he caused such a scandal. A great man who achieved great things for the United States of America and the world, yet people still remember that reason they think they have a right to mock him. In 1022, we see for not wanting to consent to the divorce. Whose divorce? That would be Wallace Simpson who was still married when she'd been dating Edward VIII. They got her husband to commit an adultery, giving her a divorce. But the Archbishop of Canterbury wanted nothing to do with it. They didn't like Edward. Edward was too cosmopolitan. He spoke with an affected American accent. He held his cigarette like a Frenchman. They liked his younger brother, Albert. Edward, they called David. The public called him Prince Charming. Albert they called Bertie he was known as the industrialization prince and when he became king people felt that the name Albert sounded too German so he took his father's name King George he became King George the sixth much to his own dismay he didn't want to be king he had anxiety he had a stutter he didn't want to face the public he was embarrassed and he got over it all he had great courage. He persevered and became a symbol of strength in a trying time for his nation and the world. So I do think he has the mark of a gang. I don't think that line fits him. If you understand the story told by Henry of Navarre, who became Henry the Fourth, King of France, in the late 1500s, early 1600s, ended the wars of religion, He told a story about when he was 10 years old at a big coming together of all the royal families, and Nostradamus recognized him. Nostradamus also wrote about this story. Nostradamus examined Henry, took him aside, and declared, this man will be a king, which was practically heresy at the time, because the king at the time was very very young and he had brothers that were also young that would replace him so he was inferring that those kings would not last but henry tells the story and how the detailed examination that nostradamus gave him although never laying a hand on him and looking at him from a distance using certain angles of light from the windows basically giving henry what we call The fourth grade cough test to see if his testicles had dropped. This was Nostradamus's sign of a king and that he would go on to bear strong children because he knew from examining the royal family that their testicles hadn't dropped and they weren't going to have children and none of them did. So, bearing in mind Nostradamus' definition of the mark of a king, According to stories told by Henry of Navarre, Henry the 4th king of France, it's easy to infer that Elizabeth does not meet the mark of a king. The line never says he, and here's the interesting point. There was a long rift that started between George and Edward when Edward left because at first they didn't want Edward to leave. After the king of Isles was driven out by force, by Prime Minister Baldwin and Parliament, with the Archbishop of Canterbury Lang in the shadows, bringing in all the old guard of the British government and telling Edward, this can't be, you have to choose between Mrs. Wallace Simpson and the throne. He chose to abdicate, but always said he was forced to abdicate because he was just not free to marry who he wanted to marry. But he had already been king for almost a year. So he got all the inheritances from his father. He got the inheritances of the king. His brother, Bertie, who now became King George, didn't get those inheritances. So it was Edward who owned Sandringham House, where basically they all grew up, and Balmoral Castle. Those were both private property, not paid for by the crown. Edward tried to pull a hustle on Parliament that he was broke and wanted the crown to buy Sandringham House and Balmoral Castle from him. But they found out that he had done really well investing and had over a million pounds in Swiss banks that he lied to them about and lied to his brother about. And eventually, George had to pay for Sandringham House and Balmoral Castle on a mortgage to keep up the monarchy, to keep up the image, because every summer they always vacationed at Balmoral Castle. It started with Queen Victoria. They had everybody there. Tsar nikki would be there. Kaiser Wilhelm would be there. Everybody from Europe would be there. They couldn't lose Balmoral Castle, so King George the Sixth had to go out on payments. Well, that started quite a bit of resentment, and that added to other resentment, what they considered indignities, that he was just indignant. He tried to hustle them and such, and it went on to other things. And so whenever he came back and he tried to come back to the country, he, tried, he expected to get a position, he expected to get a job. It was true that she, Mrs. Wallace Simpson, was considered unworthy, Of royalty, they wouldn't give her a title. They would not allow her any kind of title. And I do think this was just out of this now begrudging relationship between a grudge between David and Bertie. So every time he tried to come back to get a position, they said no. He's indignant, and look at the word used: indignant. There's a lot of play on the English language, and you'll notice he never uses English words in the quatrains for that reason so we in the Anglified world can play it with them. It's a word game, remember? Think about where you most of your time and what most of your money goes. Tickets to the game, buying that new game, stayed up all night playing that game. It's a word game, He you knew you'd like games. That's why the book is still around. So notice the second line where it says, who then afterwards, after what? King George died. And his wife and his family mostly blamed the fact that he had so much pressure on him. During the war, he barely slept, he chain-smoked. He really was worried and involved. It affected his health. But when King George passed away, the former King Edward had already returned and was trying to reestablish himself. But now that it was after the death of the king, he was actually the senior member of the royal family. But all the women in the family rallied around. And said no, including his mother, for their own good, because they considered him untrustworthy. But put in his place, because he was still there, he was still alive. In his place is put someone with no mark of a king, but goes on to a glorious reign. Queen Elizabeth the Second. If you see the very last quatrain, quatrain ten one hundred. From Century 10, Quatrain 100, it deals with the over 300-year time period that the British Empire dominated the world stage, both on land and sea, and emphasizes the colonialization and how they ended up outdoing the Portuguese and Spanish, even though the Portuguese and Spanish had the rights to the New World initially that the British colonies ended up doing financially and industrially better than the others. Many would argue when that end date mentioned in this quatrain is. I would say it's a combination of the stripping of the democratic freedoms in Hong Kong, which was May, June 2020, and Brexit, which really spanned the year of 2020. So if you take the mean, it's right about the same time may june 2020 but i would say symbolically it was really september 8th 2022 rest in peace
1: stand for something
0: Well, you'll respect nothing and you'll have nothing left to respect charles every nostradamian wants to believe that they got a shout out from nostradamus not only do you get a shout out Somewhat of a warning about the difference between what you are now is cutting edge and a possible slippery slope. But more importantly, Charles, you get another shout out in the epistle because in the epistle comes to a final conflagration. Now, what could that be? Well, think about Sardinia. Remember when everything is on fire and there's nowhere to go but the water? That's what a conflagration is it's fire everywhere. And you see, right before that, there are these strange birds that fly through the air saying, today, today. And that's you, Charles. These are tweets about environmental science saying, today, something must be done today. So Charles, shout out from Nostradamus for all the right reasons, but you must fight the good fight. He knew it he's telling you that. You know it. Get to it. Today, today, something must be done today. Well, if Charles can do that, I say God save the king. I mean it, man. And thanks for listening.